Welcome to On Call with Insignia, where we ring up founders, innovators, and technologists. Wherever they are, we talk about the amazing work they do, the mental frameworks that guide them, and the opportunities they see in the future. Let's dial in. Okay, so hello, I'm Paolo, editor at Insignia Business Review, Insignia Ventures' official publication, dialing in from Manila. Today, we have on call with us cross-border supply chain experts from Janio Asia. Uh, Janio is a full-stack fourth-party logistics platform. Uh, and our guests today are dialing in from Singapore. First, uh, we have Ali, the COO of Janu Asia, who has had more than a decade's experience working in distribution, supply chain, and logistics for e-commerce in Southeast Asia. Uh, second, we have George Oliver, Vice President and Head of B2B Operations, who has a wide range of experience in manufacturing and supply chain from the UK to Myanmar. I'd like to thank uh, Benedict from uh, Janu's uh, marketing department for arranging this interview. This is a continuation of our conversation from last week's episode. This week, we continue talking about the supply chain diversification and how businesses can adapt to the new normal for cross-border logistics. You'll be hearing first from George and then from Ali. In terms of this uh, manufacturing, is there a what, what goods or products would you see would be more viable in terms of diversification? Is there that kind of distinction? In terms of product, I think the yeah the easiest place to start is garments, and the most obvious um, is uh, Vietnam, Indonesia, um, Thailand to a certain extent. Uh, well, to a very basic extent, are have very active and very highly skilled garment ecosystems, and I, I think you're going to see a lot more of that, and even Myanmar, uh, see a lot more of that moving out of uh, the traditional Shenzhen, Guangzhou, even up um, you know north around Shanghai, moving into Southeast Asia. Um, and I think the Indonesian, Vietnamese and Thai governments are ready and, and you know, they're, they're very keen on bringing that business in into their um, countries and have have already started a lot of programs to try and attract um, the medium sized business. So, that, you know, the big amounts of um, not the SMEs, but the medium sized um, fashion labels and uh, sort of local ASEAN brands. Apart from garments, is there anything else that you're seeing, I guess, in the next few years? Uh, that would take up. Uh, I I think anything fashion will slowly uh basic at least basic fashion uh, will slowly move up from uh, from China. A lot of basics wear is being manufactured out from Indonesia. So I think uh this will continue on growing and all. Uh, but with that said, also I uh, I I realize that many Chinese companies are also investing in Southeast Asia. Uh, so perhaps basic high tech uh, like like you say. Simple uh, assembly works and whatnot uh, definitely can uh, move out from uh, China. While China still remain focused on the high tech portion. Right, right. And uh, what does this? Uh, I would like to get your insight on what this means for the local brands. Would they be able to uh, source things, source things cheaper, be able to uh, lower costs uh, in terms of the, the their, their own goods and selling it to uh, within their own country? I guess. Or even for exporting, right? I I've always been a big proponent of buy buy local or buy ASEAN, you know. I, I think with this COVID, you know, uh, it, it shows that uh, again our dependency on uh, China is too much, really. We should definitely uh, export first and foremost in sourcing, uh, in production in ASEAN. I won't say uh, in your local country as well, but in ASEAN itself, you know. Again. Uh, we are a block of 10 countries with 650 million people. There's definitely a huge opportunity for us to spur each other's economy better. And also, uh, that's why in January, we always have bet 
highly on the intra-ASEAN trade to increase accordingly. Sadly, it took COVID for uh, for for the impetus to grow much more faster. Uh, but with that said, also we seriously believe that the intra-ASEAN trade in terms of B two B will grow tremendously, and not especially countries Indonesia, uh, Vietnam, Thailand. Uh, Malaysia and Philippines to a certain extent uh, with regards to being uh, manufacturing sources and all. Uh, with that said also, uh, I think eventually countries such as Laos, Cambodia and Myanmar will follow suit to become a manufacturing hub. Given this, uh, you know, I think George also mentioned a while ago that it took COVID-19 for a lot of the a lot of businesses to realize that they needed to, to really put diversification on the table. And so with these shifts, uh, how should what would your advice be to businesses uh, in terms of handling their supply chains, managing their supply chains moving forward? And what would the role be of uh, going digital, of digitalization in all of this? Uh, I think the, the first easy um, uh, hurdle that they can get over is a lot of the small guys had only one freight forwarding partner. Not saying bad about any of the other freight forwarding partners, but I was really surprised that, uh, that they only had one and they'd only been speaking to one for quite a while, which meant to them that when we got the call because they were like, our guys have shut down, they only had one partner in China or they only had one partner in Indonesia, we're desperate, we've, got, we've managed to get capacity in the factory now, but we can't move it because our freight forwarder is still, um, you know, they've, they've got a COVID event in their warehouse, so can you help us? So that was also another good opportunity for us. And because we're not a 3PL, we're a 4, four or 5PL, um, our network is so flexible and because we're linked in technically to all of the different warehouses, it meant that we could just open up a new warehouse for them to drop off in Shenzhen and open up a new warehouse for them uh, to receive in uh, in Indonesia. So um, what I would say is is open open your Rolodex and go and meet more freight forwarders, go meet more guys in, in the logistics industry because if anything like this happens again, your, your supply chain team inside your mid-sized company needs to react really quickly and needs to have a lot of different options on the table. Especially uh, calling uh, George now to find out how Janu can help. <laughs> yes, yeah, obviously. Right, right. And uh, any, any advice, I guess, for you talk about mid-sized companies, how about uh, SMEs, uh, any advice for smaller players? No, I think uh, like, like like what what Josh said, you know, uh, at the end of the day, look into your supply chain accordingly. It's, it's very important that uh, they they shouldn't be uh, you shouldn't be putting your eggs in one basket. It, it's a good learning point this COVID, you know. Uh, so I think it's very important that do uh, you make sure that uh, you I would say diversify your source of manufacturing, uh, but more importantly, uh, work with uh, a strong, robust, flexible uh, logistics providers such as Janio and all that can adjust our ways accordingly uh, to meet the new requirements from a macroeconomic point of view. I, I think that's what's important. You know? The beauty of uh, the Janio solution, to be very honest, you know? uh, while uh, we also own assets, a strategic asset, you know? we're not only a 3PL, we are a 4PL and 5PL. Uh, we pretty much cater our solution based on your supply chain requirement accordingly. A few weeks ago, uh, Ramadan started, right? Uh, what has the experience been like uh, working with brands uh, over this period? Has there been any significant change? Are you seeing any specific trends uh, within this period in terms of uh, cross-border uh, logistics? To all Muslim viewers and all, we see you a blessed Ramadan, first and foremost. Uh, uh, with Ramadan, I think, uh, uh, and with COVID <laughs> coinciding, uh, I, I think the, uh, the challenges that we have seen is uh, uh, pretty much the peak is at all levels and all. So uh, be it uh, modest Muslim brands and all who 
who traditionally focus on Ramadan offering and all. We see general brands also, uh, as I mentioned earlier, throwing their marketing dollars in uh, on online and all. So the search, uh, while we are, were expecting a two to three times increase and all, it went up to four to five times purely because everybody is now focused on selling online. Right, and and do you see this uh, transition moving online? What are the? Is it something that? these sellers are are able to do easily or uh, i mean i i i don't want to provide a, a bleak truth but truth be told and all uh, uh, i think we haven't seen the worst uh, with regards to the impact uh, on the economy now with uh, uh, the lockdown going into only two months i think uh, people are still spending uh, and whatnot and purely because ramadan is coming also so uh, there's still a festivity mood and all uh, but when everything is sunken down where again uh, companies are starting to cut costs or control costs uh, as a whole and all spending start uh, to go down and whatnot uh, de- definitely uh, the impact uh, will be felt much more worse even uh, for us in january yeah, we are enjoying the tide right now uh, but uh, we have to prepare for uh, for what comes next uh, because eventually I think if COVID uh, extends, uh, I mean uh, this lockdown extends itself, uh, we don't go back to normality or to a new normal. Uh, I think uh, eventually uh, we will experience a huge slowdown in the economy that all of us have to be prepared for. And and speaking of uh, going into a new normal and, and I guess recovery, what are the things that uh, you guys at January are looking at uh, what indicators are you looking at that would sort of tell you that I guess things are uh, recovering in, in a way or going into a new normal? What are the, I guess, macro indicators or even other things that you're looking at? For me, it would be, you know, the first obvious is coming to a new normal is having um, the airline starting again. That, that For everyone in the supply chain, everyone in logistics in Southeast Asia, the moment that those airlines, and this is the low-fast carriers, not not the um, large uh, uh, national airlines, Um, the moment they start going and when we can see how they're going to operate, that's when we can really know what the new normal is. Um, Until that happens, there's no way of really assessing um, how the Southeast Asian uh, air freight supply chain is going to happen. Um, for sea freight, it's it's been wonderful. Um, yeah, that that's proven that it's um, as robust as it always has been, and rates didn't really increase that much. But I think the great thing that people realise is that across Southeast Asia, you can ship with sea freight without actually adding that much time. Apart from that, I, I you know until we, it's quite difficult. If we could predict exactly what was going to happen or or see the markers of what the new normal is, we we would all be millionaires, I think. So um, no one's really opened up fully yet. Um, so I'm I'm reticent to to guess because I think it would be taking a big shot in the dark. Um, you know, even looking back at the West, they don't seem to have a, a strategic plan yet to come out of lockdown. Even though they've they've shown one, it's it's left everyone in some confusion. So um, yeah, I, I'd probably be a bit more cautious than saying something that uh, a broad statement. I I hope we've seen the worst and all, but truth be told, I I doubt so and all. Uh, the, the, the impact will only be felt perhaps three months down the road to six months down the road and all. And, and uh, unlike uh, other uh, potential blips uh, such as SARS or even uh, recession and whatnot, I think uh, recovery with regards to COVID will take a longer time. And, and that's also not discounting if we have another flare-up. Um, I think that would be, that's right, the right. scary, scary thing. And and we go straight back to lockdown again. And you can see this has already happened in northern Italy. It's happened again in Spain. Um, it probably has happened in China. 
but you know, certainly, I, I know that Singapore, the moment there is a flare up, they'll close down just as fast as we did last time. So yeah, that that <laughs> that would make it even weirder. How, how would you how would you tell like the, your your customers and and even uh, within January, right, how to deal with this? Uh, constant state of flux, right, and and uncertainty. Uh, will we always have to always make these constant adjustments, or is there a way to sort of uh, operate uh, without having to, you know, uh, make these sudden adjustments as much? Yeah, I think that we're operating like that now. Um, yeah. So in a way, we've all learned how to do it. So um, the learning curve won't be there, hopefully, next time if we come back to lockdown. We just go back right, to what right. we are yeah. doing now. Yeah. I think uh, it's very important during this period, uh, being flexible is important, uh, but uh, flexibility in uh, managing operations and uh, commercial requirement, but more importantly, as I highlighted earlier, uh, we've been very transparent, uh, we've communicate openly to all customers, uh, all stakeholders and what's happening and whatnot. And I think it's something that we will continue, continue on doing. Right. And in terms of... Uh being transparent and, and communications, how has it been like within within the company, uh, working within your own teams? How have you been managing uh, working remote and you know all these new uh, conditions? Oddly, I think we speak to each other even more. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> um, but but, yeah. uh, <laughs> but I don't strangely enough, from a personal point of view, working from home is much more tougher than working from the office, to be very honest. Right, right. The, the connection and everything, at least for me. Yeah. True, yeah. <laughs> true. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, just to wrap things up, I wanted to get some recommendations uh, from you guys. Uh, since you guys have been, uh, like all of us have been spending more time at home. Uh, are there any books that you guys have been, uh, you know, reading, catching up on, or any form of content, really, podcast videos that uh, you'd like to share with or, or recommend to our listeners? Josh? Uh, for me, it's The Economist. I've been listening to every single Economist pod- podcast. Um, I, I just think they're the best at um, their small snippets of, uh, of uh, breaking down what's going on around the world. And, you know, they'll, they'll find a topic, they'll go right into the detail of it, but not so much that it bores you. Um, so they're right. a wonderful way of, of taking a snapshot of all the different parts. Because I think if you're watching the normal news or reading the normal newspaper, it's quite quickly you can get depressed or a bit scared. Um, whereas The Economist sort of has done a, a bit of the pre-digesting for it. So for me, it's really reinvigorated my love, my love for The Economist podcast and, and um Any, any topic in particular uh, from The Economist? Yeah, for me, it's, um, I don't know, it's, it's a sort of a side thing that I'm interested in, but it, it leads into logistics and the whole supply chain is, is, um, is fund management and how everyone's savings and uh, well, even country savings are going to look after this and how we um, address our portfolio management, um, both, as a, both as countries and as, as personal, um, our personal funds. Um, you know, is it going to be a continued investment into um, passive investing, which is sort of proving to be a bit scary because um, there doesn't seem to be any stop to the sell-off, um, but that's now bounced back. So I think that part I find the most interesting and The Economist is probably the strongest at uh, um, helping a layman um, digest it. Ali, uh, any recommendations? <laughs> no, uh, so uh, through Vito, uh, I just I just been uh, catching uh, catching up on <laughs> works and email and whatnot, and trying to make sure that we survive. <laughs> Survival is key, you know. That's pretty much it. Uh, so again, thank you so much for the time. Thank you. Hey, thanks.
For more episodes, you can head to Insignia Business Review at review.insignia.vc or you can head to Spotify, iTunes, Waves, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.